You're listening to a podcast from Billingshurst Family Church, a radical church family in Billingshurst and beyond. For more information and media content, please visit www.b-f-c.org.uk or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning, everyone. Most of you know me. My name's Craig. I head up the leadership team here at BFC, and it is great to have you all with us. It's great to be together as church this morning uh, to celebrate his love for us, his great work on the cross, and the freedom that he gives us. God is good. <laughs> I had that last week. God is good. God is good. And he, I just love drawing near to him in worship. I love coming close to him, um, knowing him with us, forgetting the words but he's still good. We're in our second of our BFC Family Values series. We're looking at our key values that we hold as a church, or key values that we're going to be focusing on in the coming weeks and months. Um, And uh, it's an opportunity to hear some of my heart for BFC, what God's sort of speaking to me about at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a real challenge. It's been a real challenge. You know, oh, the, the, I think when I come to church to sit, you know, to sit down and listen to a sermon, the ones I've, I'm worried about most are the ones that require something of me, the ones that ask me to do something, the ones where I sit there. Maybe the preacher doesn't even say, you know what, you need to do X, Y, Z. But you sit there, and I sit there, and I go, and I, they don't say that, and they're saying something. I'm just like, oh, yeah, God, I know I need to do something. I need, to, I need to step out. I need to change something. And they're the ones that scare me the most because they're the ones that need me to do something. And, you know, I'll happily sit for a sermon that massages my ego. You know, Craig, you're so wonderful. Uh, you're, you're so great. You know, um, God loves you just as you are, which is true. He does, but he wants me to change. You know, so I'll happily sit through those, um, but I get scared at the ones that need me to do something, that need me to respond. And I push back against them. I argue back a lot of time. Oh, well, you know, I don't have to do anything about that. Um, and that's just something, the, my inner monologue. But I know I need to do something. You know, as a people, we should hope for challenge um, that helps our sanctification, that helps our growth in becoming more and more like Jesus. Last week, I impressed upon us the need to be a church that is characterized by love. And we, I challenge us to consider how much did Christ, how much did Jesus love us? Well, he went to the cross for us. He died on our behalf. He laid down his life on our behalf. And this week, we're going to consider what it is to be a church that responds to God's generosity to us and how it should affect our generosity. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into the words. Lord God, I pray that you'd be speaking to us this morning, that you'd be opening our ears and our eyes to the things you want to show us. Lord, we just come before you with open hearts. We ready ourselves to hear from you this morning, to hear your desire. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me, Lord God, that you'd sift out the gold, help us all to sift out the gold, Lord, and and see what it is you might be saying to us. Just give you this time now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're spending some time in the book of Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 13, if you want to jump there in your Bibles, feel free. The words will be up here as well. They already are. Excellent. Um, uh, So it speaks about living lives that are pleasing to God. So this is chapter 13, verse 1 to 16. It says this, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honour among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We're to be a generous people. generous in our praise, in our worship. And our praises and our worship should be sacrificial. They should cost us something. It's so much more than just singing songs. We've had a great time singing songs this morning and worshipping him and moving and dancing. But worship's so much more than that. It's a way of life. It's worshipping God in all that we do. passage says, do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The call to sacrifice the easy path for the right and good path. Sacrificing comfort for the sake of the needs of others. Both these things are pleasing to God. Living lives that are characterized by sacrificial praise and worship are the sort of lives that please God. God's been so generous to us, hasn't he? He's given us eternal life. Yeah? That's a good thing. Are we, are we agreed? Yeah? Eternal life is a good thing. He's given us so much. He's given us abundant lives. We've got the promise of eternity with him. And he's, he's blessed many of us to be in this country today. You know, I know it's said quite often, but you know, we're in, as much as everything looks a bit messy at the moment, we're still in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Yeah, we're really blessed to be here. So our response to God's generosity should be one of sacrifice in all places. Not sacrifice for salvation or cleansing, because that's all done. Jesus has done that, which is amazing. 
But we should live, sac- live sacrificially because God's pleased when we offer generous sacrifices that mimic how he is generous. I was chatting to my mother-in-law this week about um, what generosity is. And my mother-in-law, she preaches semi-regularly and a wonderful woman of God. And um, she came up with this, um, uh, this acronym for us to remember in what ways we should be generous. So we've got money, affection, time, hospitality, and service. Maths always seems to have something to do with our generosity, doesn't it? Yeah? If we're giving us something, we always count it. Um, and it's uh, maths generosity is what we're going to look at this morning. You know, we can be the sort of math generosity people who sit there with their herbs and spices like the Pharisees did, and they count out all the leaves to make sure they're giving a tenth of it, you know, because we want to make sure we're giving, giving right. We want to do it right. Um, in our day, we might be counting it down to the second percentage point in our, in our giving uh, financially, um, or we might be counting all the hours that we spend look, helping other people um, and, and keeping it all tight. But actually, I think there's a better maths for us to employ for generosity at BFC. So we'll start with the tough one. I know there are many hearts that fluttered when the word money came up on the screen. Of course, the one that we fear the most. We're reminded in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's a solid truth that where we invest our money, the rest of our lives tend to follow. If you put money into oil and gas, a good deal of your life will revolve around whatever's happening with the shares in the oil and gas company that you've invested in. And the thing is, like, generosity, it's alien to most of our culture. As churches, you know, if you've been in church a while, you know, generosity and, and, and giving of yourself, of your finances, it's, you, you, you know about it, you're aware of it, but to our culture, it's alien. There's a wonderful bit in that bit from Hebrews uh, it talks about bearing his reproach. You know, sometimes we have to stand before people who think we're absolutely nuts for giving so much of our time, giving so much of our affection, giving so much of our money away uh, to whatever, and they think we're mad. But actually, we're called to, to be that people, to be that people who are there being a bit odd. You know, We're all a bit odd in so many ways, but particularly those people in church, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think we're called to stand firm despite what the world's thinking. God's done so much for us. How can we afford to not be generous with a part of life that plays such a leading role? Hebrews 13, 5 to 6, as we've already read, says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, money's a blessing. It's a great blessing. It's wonderful. Um, But it's that sort of thing that we shouldn't hold on too tightly. We shouldn't have that love for money. We shouldn't love it too much. You know what? God's enough. God is enough. He promises to be enough for us, uh, as the verse says. Um, And he'll ensure our needs are met. And sometimes I think... I wouldn't use the word testing, but I think God's provision needs exploring sometimes to seek out what he's really enabled us to do. Is he really sufficient for you in your life? Well, sometimes the only way to find out is to actually to try and, and find out if you can be more generous in all those maths ways. 
Let us be a church that's generous with our money. Next one, affection. As I mentioned last week, we should be known as a church for the love that we have for one another and for those outside of here. Though Jesus laid down his life on our behalf out of the love that God had for us, we should be quick to remember what Jesus has done for us, especially when someone's let us down, when someone's got something wrong. It's hard to show love then, isn't it? Yeah, if there's someone who you see as your, as your uh, equals the wrong word, but you know, someone in your circle of friends, if, if they let you down or whatever, it's so hard to forgive them quickly. But the best love we can show for one another is when it's hard to do so. It's being quick to love when it's hard to. Quick to forgive when we let each other down. Quick to apologize when we're wrong. Quick to hold our tongue when the criticism is the first thing to come to mind. To be generous with our affection is to build up and not tear down. It's to encourage and try not to discourage. I can guarantee you that at least 90% of the time, people know when they've got things wrong and they don't need reminding of them. Let's be a church that is generous with affection. Time. Our time. Time's like the most valuable thing we own. It's not even ours, but it's that. Even businesses now are recognizing the need to give employees more time to, to, to rest and time with their families because they find out they're actually more productive uh, and it's more valuable than money. I'd often ask when I was working for British Gas, I'd often ask, you know, oh, well, if I do that, don't pay me an extra, but can I have another day off? Or can I, have, or can I claim those few hours I've done over? Can I have them back elsewhere? Because that was more valuable to me than the money. And Jesus gave time to people. And so should we. We should be generous with our time to one another. And we certainly shouldn't take advantage of people's generosity with their time or any of the other ways we're talking about, but we should aim to be generous with our own time. We aim to be generous with our time. And that doesn't mean that we completely abandon our responsibilities by giving all of our time to the church. We can't all abandon our jobs or our families to give time to church things. And I certainly wouldn't advocate going too far. But we should still be generous. There's a tension to be held on all these things. We should be generous with our time to demonstrate to other people, whether they're Christians or not, we should be generous with our time to to show the love of God for them. Time is the most valuable thing we have in the modern world. That Luke 12 passage, again, you know, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. It's the same for time. You know, when we put time into church, we put time into sharing the gospel, we put time into coming alongside other people and discipling them and loving them, that's where your heart will be. When you give your time in that way, the caring for other people, your heart becomes more caring. You change by being with those other people. So let us be a church that is generous with our time. Hospitality. 
homes open to one another. I think I've probably shared this before. When I was growing up, I had a few neighbours in my road. We lived in a terrace of houses, and I could go and knock on anyone's door, and I'd be welcomed straight in, uh, you know, for a glass of juice or whatever, because all my mates lived there. Just in and out of each other's houses all the time. You know, it's good for homes to be open to one another. It's good for us to take time to care for one another. I think it's no coincidence that hospitality has hospital in it. There's a caring nature to it. But biblical hospitality goes further than that. It's not just about looking after your own. Biblical hospitality is primarily towards the outsider, the aliens, as it would be called in some versions of the Bible, those outside of the people of God. And I want BFC to be a place where we're, we're hospitable to those around us who don't know God. Yeah, we need to be welcoming to those who don't know God. We need to open our homes to those who don't know God. We need to get to know them. We need to be generous in doing that. Yeah, Hebrews 13, one of those just sort of wow moments in the Bible. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It's like one of those verses, you're going through your Bible, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. That sounds reasonable. Angels. Yeah. I haven't got much to say on that theologically, but you just don't know who's coming in your door. You know, when you're meeting people in your road, you have no idea who they are. You have no idea what little bit of their life, what little part of the story you're playing. They may even be angels that you've, you know, who've you've randomly turned up and you've never met them before. Um, it's just, wow. You know, and God reached to us, didn't he, you know, in sending Jesus to the cross and uh, to, to live amongst us, sending him to the cross to be resurrected. God was hospitable to us. God reached out to us. And if you don't know him yet, he's reaching out to you today. And we should reach out to those who don't yet know him, which should be hospitable to them. So let us be a church that is known for its hospitality. Service. This is all about generosity. Don't lose that. This is the theme all the way through. It's about generosity. Okay. But ser- serving, service, serving sacrificially is a key part of our generosity. It's good for us to serve kingdom works. It's good for us to do the things God's calling us to do as a church. All right? That's not necessarily what he's calling you to do. But he's getting caught up in something bigger than you. So serving in the church doesn't always mean doing the thing that you feel called to do. Sometimes it's doing the stuff because it needs doing. And I I think the church is uh, the best place for us to demonstrate generosity in serving. Because all that we do as a church, everything we're doing is to share kingdom values with each other and the world around us. You know, it's not just doing the one thing that we feel called to do and ignoring everything else like it's not our problem. You know, we should be generous with our serving. Uh, we should give time to it. We should prepare for it. You know, the work Rachel's done in, in the worship team, the, the dynamic of how it's changed because people are putting the time in. They care about it. They're getting caught up in something. They're preparing for it. It's good. It's doing the things, serving, even when you don't feel called. You know, this church was founded as a church plant. This isn't the sort of church that's been here for hundreds of years. This is a church plant. And in a church plant, everyone mucks in. Whatever needs doing gets done by someone. 
because it needs doing. I think sometimes more established churches can lose that. You know, we're an established church now, but things still need doing. The kids' work still needs support. Set-up needs help. The welcome team needs people to say hello. So let's be sacrificial with our serving. Let's let our serving be our act of worship. You know, we're a really generous church. You know, this coming year, we're planning to give away £12,000. For the past, since July last year, we've given away just shy of £1,000 a month, regularly. And we've also had more money put aside so that we can help in specific situations, which we have done. You know, we're a generous church. But we can only be generous corporately when we're generous and sacrificial individually. And so there'll be people in here now going, okay, Craig, well, how do you, how do you measure these things? They're these sort of people who like smart targets um, and so on. And how do I measure this? And I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Um, and so many of these things are like tension, aren't they? Yeah, you know, we've got the, the we can go legalistic or, or whatever, but sometimes there's, there's that balance to be had, that middle ground. Um, so I have a measure for those people like smart targets. Okay, I have a quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, which I think, although he's talking about money, I think it actually applies to all of these maths generosity points. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. As I say, I think that it does apply to money, but I think it applies to all of these other ways as well. So the question is then, what does generous look like for you? What does generous look like for you? Are you worshipping God in your generosity? Or are we giving him what's left over? You know, we, we might feel that our generosity is insignificant. I, I can only give, you know, a couple of hours every three months. On the other hand, we might feel like, actually, we're really generous people. You know, I, 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 I feel I'm a very generous person. You know, we might like to hold that position, yeah? We might feel like, you know, well, we give, I give the most of anyone in the church. I don't know what anyone else gives, but, you know, I know I, know I must give the most. And we, we like rules to aim for, don't we? We like, you know, well, you know, the Bible, biblical principle is that we should tithe. The thing is, I... It, you know, we like, we like rules. We like to give 10%. A lot of us do. But for an extremely wealthy person, 10% isn't actually all that much. They've got so much more money, it's not that hard to find and to give away as it would be for someone on a much lower income. 
This is a message for all of us. Wherever we feel like we stand uh, with our finances or any of these things, you know, we need to consider what's actually generous, what's actually sacrificial for us to give. And I want us to be a generous church, which means that individually we need to regularly consider whether we're actually being generous or whether we've just become comfortable with what we give in all those ways. Don't just hear the money message. There's so much more there. As it's the best example for numbers, um, you know, money as an example, we might not feel we're contributing much by giving a fiver a month. But that might well be, that could be so generous from you. It really could. You know, it could be really pinching you, like C.S. Lewis said, pinching to give £5 a month uh, to something or to God's work in the church. And if that's generous, if that's costly, it makes you feel the pinch, that's a good offering to make. It's a really good thing to give. You might be the sort of person who gives like 500 quid a month, you know, which is a huge amount of money, but you might not feel the pinch of it. You might, you might not, you know, it might not really affect you. You know, I'd encourage you, to, all of us, you know, whatever position we're in, whether it's we can afford five quid a month or whether we can afford 500 quid a month, Let's all consider our giving. We are called to be content with what we have. That's what the writer of the Hebrews says. You know, so let's ensure our giving in all those ways, in all those maths ways, make us feel the pinch. Are you worshipping God through your generosity? And you know what? When we speak about generosity in church, you know, we're saying... Actually, why, why be generous in church? Why be generous with our time and, our, and all those things? Um, and it, it's, it's because this is a kingdom work. You know, all we do is for the kingdom of God, it's for outreach, it's discipleship, all these kingdom works. And when we put our treasures into God's work, our heart for those things increases. You might be the sort of person who's like, oh yeah, you know, I know, I know that ministry happens, but I really don't care about it. Yeah, I know I probably should, but I don't care all that much. Or you struggle to see why it exists. I'd encourage you, be generous towards it. Give some of your maths to it. And you'll find your care for it increases. And your heart will change. We want to be a people, a family of people people who want to see the kingdom of God advance through our friendships and influence. We want to be a generous family. I want to be part of a generous family that's generous with our time, our gifts, and our money. With our money, our affection, time, hospitality, and service. We want to be a worshipping family. And part of our worship is measured in how we give of ourselves and our possessions. Generosity is maintaining a kingdom perspective. Um, I've got a book recommendation for you all. It's been sitting out for a little while, and I know some people have been looking at it thinking, the treasure principle. It sounds like the prosperity gospel, Craig. It's not. <laughs> it's a really good book. It's all about building up treasures in heaven. Um, and there are five or so copies down at the back. They're free. Grab it, have a read, pass it on to someone else. You might like it, you might not, but it's worth having a read. It's really short. The, right, the, the, the font's nice and big. Um, which, which is why I read it um, so quickly. 
But Randy Alcorn, the guy who wrote it, he has this thing about um, maintaining perspective, okay? There's the dot and there's the line. We live, in, we live on the dot, okay? We live in the dot. That's where we exist now. But like I said earlier, we have, should have an eternal perspective. We have eternal life, yeah? For Christians here today, we have eternal life. So do we invest everything in the dot, everything in the now, or do we invest in what is to come? Do we invest in kingdom works? Do we invest in um, you know, reaching people with the gospel? It says in Matthew, I think it is, where it talks about um, building up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth doesn't get to it and it doesn't decay. Actually, when we are generous now, I think that builds up treasures in heaven for us, things to look forward to. We should remember that our earthly life is temporary and that present comforts are nothing compared to what we're going to get. In light of eternal life, if we think we've got it, we should live lives that are heaven-based. Earth is not our home. We merely pass through. Jesus encourages us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. And our generosity in all the maths ways is the way that we do this. Invest in the work of the kingdom and you'll receive heavenly gifts when you get there. You'll receive a heavenly reward for all that you've done for the kingdom. This week, I'm going to send out um, a, a link to a website, um, and it's a wonderful uh, part of a sermon given by Spurgeon uh, in 1901. Um, and uh, I'd encourage you all to read it. It's really stirred me, really stirred me. Very similar to what C.S. Lewis said. It's just a deeper exposition of a, of a passage in 2 Corinthians. But have a read of it. It's well worth a read. Craig, could we put the math slide up again, please? Money, affection, time, hospitality, and service. I want to be a generous church. I want to be known for being a generous church. The way we treat each other, the way we treat our community, the way we work for God's kingdom. So let's pray. Lord God, so many of your principles that we read of in Scripture, so many things you call us to are challenging. They're hard for us to hear, hard for us to respond to, to consider. But you've done so much for us. You really have. You've changed our lives. And if we haven't known it yet, Lord God, I know you want to. I know you want to change our lives. So Lord, I pray for us now that as we respond, as we consider your generosity to us and consider what our generosity needs to look like, just help us, guide us, convict us, show us the next steps, help us to be a loving family together as we carry each other through these things. In Jesus' name, amen.